Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by Anthony Oliveira. Hi there. And our official Scooby, Joe Reed. Hi. Wait, why is he an official Scooby? Wow, you started so much drama. Ian, when you were saying that, I, I know, I realized like, after I said that, I was like, wow, because I feel he's, so welcome. He's been on like a million Jeez. episodes. Oh, well, I was right. at the beginning. I, I get okay. a little something. I'm happy to be the like Cordelia periphery. No, she's uh, a Scooby. <laughs> well, now you're going to no. be a Scooby because you'll be on three. You will have been on three episodes. Oh, I that's could, right. Yeah, I'm yeah. racking them up today. That's yeah. right. We're doing a that's two. That's how you become today. official. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I actually am as the Eric Balfour of this because I was here right at the beginning and then I got <laughs> I, I sort of dropped off and, uh, and let I think the show. Huge. Go to its heights. <laughs> now you've like been on every finale. Never came back. Actually, I really think that character falls out much more than he should have. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But Joe, now you've been on for every finale. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually you're our official finale person, just like Adam Sass is our official yeah. premiere person. Nice. Okay, and I will take that I'm, for sure. We, we made spreadsheets of all our guests, everyone who's <laughs> been on every episode, and literally next to your name, Joe, like next to all the names, it says the episodes the person's been on, and next to your name, it just says a lot. <laughs> wow, you're the closer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Kira Sedgwick, because I was just say this free Yeah. Sometimes I see pictures of the two of you, and I'm like, wait, is that is that her or is that? <laughs> you are indistinguishable. That is true. <laughs> if you've never seen me before, just imagine. Just Kira Sedgwick. I've never seen you and Kira Sedgwick in the same room, so see? they're you know. Oh, exactly. Neither have I. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> I did help her at Barnes & Noble once when I worked there. What was she yeah. buying? I don't remember. It was her and Kevin Bacon. I just remember being like, oh, shit, is that... Whenever I, I help... Who she's with. That's who she's with, right? I yeah. Don't... Are they still married? I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They I... stuck together after getting bankrupted by Bernie Madoff, so, oh, like, right. that's... I forgot they oh, were. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, today, so... we're here to discuss Graduation <laughs> Day, um, part one, and I have to say that I think... Revisiting these finales, the, this two-parter for our podcast, I I really just think they might be my favorite finale, like, all together as a whole. Yeah. There is so much going on in both parts of this episode, and I don't even think they do the normal Joss thing where, like, oh, they're setting the puzzle pieces and then the action happens. It's like, we get puzzle pieces in action and then more puzzle pieces and more action, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I uh, it's. I think you have to set a stopwatch to see how often and how frequently I mention that I'm Canadian. But um, <laughs> <laughs> now, for you guys, did these air back to back or no? no. Oh no, one no. week after the other. No, no they didn't. No. no. So I, I I will tell this story because yes. I experienced it. This two part season finale aired not so long, several weeks after the Columbine thing. And Columbine like immediately was right before Earshot Mm -hmm. and they pulled Earshot. They didn't air Earshot until the following September. Earshot was a very standalone episode. So it didn't really affect the season continuity. So I think that's why they didn't really sweat too much about having to wait till September. But like, so part one airs on May 18th, 1999 before part two, because of the content of part two, which is essentially an armed battle on the campus of a high school, which, sure, also the fact that it's against a giant snake apparently didn't, you know, deter <laughs> right, anybody. Right, right. Um, pulled the episode, I think, with like a day's notice or perhaps even less. Like it was a last minute decision. They aired Band Candy that night and they did not give it immediately. A date of when it was going to air. The second part of a cliffhanger <laughs> season finale. If that happened in the age of Twitter, there would be fires in the street. Like, honestly, <laughs> yes. God, if there was any way of like better organizing the public, it there would have been demonstrations. <laughs> like, I right. honestly believe it. I can't yeah. imagine how we all dealt with that because it was everybody's on tenter hooks and like and they were just like we'll air it whenever and then it didn't end up airing until july 13th 1999 so two whole months later yeah buffy um, fans put up with some shit is what i will say I, that's, that's when i really i stopped watching because i was like what and i didn't really know because like you know it was easy not to know what happened if like i don't like i just i i thought i missed i remember thinking like when did i miss the finale like how did i miss it 
and then well, just pre-internet, right? Yeah. Like, well, not like you had to like check a TV guide or something. Like, yeah. Was, and the I internet having, was still something you had to dial up at the time. Yeah, I, like I probably could have found out on a message board somewhere, but I remember not knowing and just being like, "Ugh, now that I missed it, I don't feel like it." And then I like gave up on the show until like I I would watch a little bit of season four. And then I remember finding out that Willow was gay, and then I was like suddenly interested in the show again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, was it I mean, that way for you too up in Canada? You had uh, you had the same. I don't remember. I do remember. I had the same sort of experience where it's like um, I did eventually end up on a Buffy message board, but at the time this was airing, I didn't have a sense of like when things were new on TV and when they weren't. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, but I feel like I watched both parts back to back. And like, that's why I mentioned it. Cause when Ian was just talking, it's like these pieces, this is even we're actually recording these as one long session. Um, we're going to break it, but, um, it feels like when you're watching it, the pieces are designed to go together so much. In fact, if you separate them, you miss weird chimes with, within it. Like Snyder's right. first line is about order and his last line is about order. Like the pieces are talking to each other. Yes. I, know, sometimes, like, I sometimes wonder if this was intentionally or intended to air as a two hour finale, because mm-hmm. like sometimes even with like two part finales, you'll see they're written and directed by different people. And like Joss yeah, yeah. did both of these. And I think you're right. There are like, there's symmetrical stuff that makes me wonder if at some point down the line, the idea was to air both of these well, on the I, same night. I even have that in my notes that the mayor says to Snyder, Sunnydale owes you a debt and it's going to be paid in full. And then he gets eaten and that's his debt being paid. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah. You yeah. like kept all this under wraps. That's what you deserve. And yeah, there is a lot of that like coming full circle back to like that previous episode. And they really do, even though I think both episodes have their own arc, they still like, I don't know. You need them together. Like, right. Yeah. Like even the harmony thing is a beat that lands early yeah. in episode yes. one. Like you could easily forget who she even was by the right. time she dies or whatever. Yeah. We're supposed to believe she's turned by the end of episode two. Right. Like all the characters kind of have another moment where they sort of, Hey, remember this person? And then <laughs> we pay them off in, in the second half. Yeah. Is it Percy or Larry who dies? Larry. In the second Larry. Half? It's Larry. Larry. Because Larry. queer people can't survive. Right. <laughs> God, so true. Um, like every time I see Larry die, I'm like, "Wow, Joss, you were really <laughs> this queer erasure." Thank you, Joss. Jeez. Exactly. Yeah. Because they make a joke about it in season six when Amy comes back. She says, "Like, oh right, oh I'm thinking of asking Larry to prom." And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Even wish... Amy gets a curtain call. We do see Amy in her yeah, cage during I, this episode. Yeah, I, I do wish this... that we could have gotten Sorry. her. Like, I know that then we wouldn't have gotten the payoff in season six, and they wouldn't have gotten whatever. And, like, you know, her in season four reappearing for one second. But I really, I do wish we could have had Amy there because she was, like, a fully realized witch already by that point. So, like, that would have been cool to see. Especially when they're, like, gathering the entire class for, like, their respective skills. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about that scene. So, I mean, it's really funny because the scene where Willow, like, loses her virginity to Oz is, like, bookended by shots of Amy the Rat. Like, they are (laughs) really obsessed with Amy the Rat. Like, when you go into her bedroom, like, it goes in through Amy's cage. And then she's upset and she's like, I can't even turn Amy back. And then, like, to make her feel better, Oz has sex with her. (laughs) Amy likes to watch. I think we all know that. So that's (laughs) totally cool. Well, I think we mentioned this last time I was on. Like, Amy is this weird... um, Amy is, like, a weird index for the stuff that's going on with Willow. So it does seem to me that that is oddly appropriate. That, like, like when, again, when Willow loses control, that's what brings Amy back later. Like, she sort of is the lens by which we learn things about Willow in a weird way. So that feels right to me, that Amy is, like, oddly a witness to the major sexual moments in Willow's life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I wanted to start with, I love the opening. Like, for me, I can recite the whole back and forth between Xander and Cordelia in the, like, very opening. I think it's, like, perfect opening music. I think the, the, like, composition of the music in both parts of these episodes is, like, fucking perfect. Um, I'm really glad they don't use Sarah McLachlan, nothing against her, but I think using just, like, a score works so much better. Did you um, say nothing against Tara? Nothing against Sarah McLachlan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I could see how those two could become yeah. interchangeable in one's mind. Um, um, I love Xander's beautiful sweater in that opening scene. It is a very Oh, cool. yeah. Sweater. Um, I just... I just 
I think it's a really good end to show that, like, so at this point, you know, him and Cordelia have been through a lot. She, like, you know, in the Zeppo, she's, like, kind of, like, out of character, like, harsh with him. And there's a couple episodes where, like, she's not jokingly mean. She's just, like, really biting mean. But this opening is, like, showing us, look, they're cool now. He bought her the dress for prom. They're cool. Like, they can hang out and joke. She's, you know, you in a relation to fashion, I'm a wash in a sea of confusion. Like, I love that line. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I think the whole opening is just so good. It sets up everything. And then Willow having Harmony sign her yearbook and being like, yeah, we'll hang out. And Buffy being like, don't you hate her? And she's like, with a fiery vengeance, the vacuous tramp. Um, <laughs> I There's just, like, so many good, like, Joss. I feel like Joss is at his, like, best. Like, I think these two parts are, like, season two's finales, but put on a grander scale. Um, uh-huh. Where, like, you know, in those two parts, the first part, they're kind of doing a lot of moving. And this is a lot of moving, but it builds up to a giant battle. I don't know, it feels like... The pacing feels like the season two finales, but all amped up to, like, ten. But, like, in the best way. Like, it all and feels season, so just. season three finale doesn't need fucking Whistler lurking around either yeah. which is also it nice that device for storytelling yes. which is right. what Worcester really is but right. I think one of the things that you get from the very beginning especially the moment between Willow and Harmony is that like Joss has imbued this entire two-parter with like what it actually feels to graduate high yes. school which is that you kind of start <laughs> you are, are begin to let like c- certain parts of yourself die and you're like yeah Willow's just like, why be petty with Harmony? Like, we're BFFs now. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know? And it I is- can't imagine any of us could have predicted what a l- long future we had with Harmony <laughs> still to come from, like, I, what happened yeah, in this I episode. Yeah, I think about it all the time when she gets bitten at the end that, like, that's the moment where right. it all starts. And it felt and like such a throwaway at the time. Yeah. Right. And then we're going to see her in Harsh Light of Day, new and improved and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and sort of like not new and improved, right? Yeah. Like that's sort, of, <laughs> that's sort of one of the things Harmony becomes is like this weird something they always use the vampires to do. Is like they're kind of trapped in time, and Harmony becomes this weird index of like how much they change. Harmony doesn't, right? Like when she comes yeah. back, she's kind of become a joke because like they've moved on and she hasn't. She's like a weird double for Faith in season four, where it's like <laughs> another person who hasn't grown since high school, right? yeah. <laughs> um, which is what she becomes on Angel too, is like this like uh, doppelganger for Cordelia, where it's like you can track how much Cordelia has changed yes. by how much Harmony hasn't, right? right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Faith killing the volcanologist. Ah, <laughs> uh, Lester. It's actually pretty brutal, right? Like, Yeah. It's like- It's a very- yeah, Especially it's a very brutal like, death. And I think show. it's supposed to. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no. Um, yeah, I like he cries out in agony, and it's like, oh, she's like just brutally murdering this old man who clearly cannot has no like. There's no like even fight. There's no fight there. He's like this little yeah. old man, and she's just like stabbing him to death. And it's the first time that they sell you on the faith doesn't care. Yeah. Right? But can and we she's talk also, about she doesn't even know why she's killing him, right? Yeah. That's, she's, she that makes the point of being like, I never thought to ask, like, the complete sociopathy of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, he says, like, I'll scream, and it's actually, like, this terrible groan instead, yeah. which I find very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of kind of, I mean, Buffy is all about, like, subverting who you think's going to do what. And, like, the I'll scream out thing feels like something, like... Uh, you, you might say to the big bad wolf, like Little Red Riding Hood might say, and right, it's yeah. like this very different gender dynamic, especially because the beginning, when he has that creepy but also tonally perfect delivery of "I'm a dead, I'm a lifelong dedicated bachelor," where it's almost like he thinks he's gonna score with this random girl, <laughs> yeah, door, and it, he seem, comes off as this really old lech. But then, like, within 30 seconds, it switches around to him being like, I'm going to scream out. So it's this really interesting reversal right yeah. away. Well, and that's why what's one of the great things about the Faith character is that, like, she immediately injects that element into essentially every scene, which is that, like, danger and also sexuality and also, <laughs> like, there's just, like, 12 different things going on just by virtue of her, like, walking into a room. And it's why I've always found her, like, she's always been my favorite character, which is not, like, novel of me, but, like, it's true. <laughs> um, but there's also it. playing, like, a version of the mayor relationship, too, right? Where it's, like, yes, suddenly that paternal energy is there next to that weird sexual energy. And it's, like, what is this relationship 
Um, it also ends up Streisanding affecting his whole like plan, right? Like they only know they only know to look into this because she kills him, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Man, can you write an essay that's just called Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Streisand Effect? Because <laughs> I feel does like it that just needs a to lot. It kind of does. Well, there's like I Angela don't know what has... the Streisand Effect is. Oh, it's um, Barbara Streisand famously tried to suppress all pictures taken by like Google Images or whatever of her house. And by virtue of trying to suppress them, she created like this huge public interest in seeing them that otherwise would not have been there. If the mayor hadn't tried, if the mayor hadn't killed this volcanologist, Buffy and friends would not have known yeah. to even look into him, right? right? It's essentially <laughs> it was, carrying out the cover-up ahead of time that like you create the need for the cover-up. Right? Exactly. And the, the whole philosophy is like, but it's not the cover-up, it's the crime. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up that always gets you. Yeah. Um, so that's what yeah. Beyonce did at the Super Bowl, right? Where she didn't what? Want, wasn't it like she didn't want certain photos oh, of her scene? Oh, she didn't Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, right. With those photos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Super hulky photos. Yeah. Yeah. Her yeah. Legs, uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> People <laughs> like Photoshop try to look into oh. she, look like She Hulk. Oh. Because she oh, looked like oh. real Jack. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's like whatever. But I remember that being a big deal. Yes. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Matthew. I know that you were about to. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, and then we, next thing is learning that Anya has been to an Ascension. Yes. Um, she comes Anya's and tells so her, great in this episode. She, she really is. is. And okay. I, I love the moment where she has to like sit down, like they're at a, like a, like they're at the Midnight Society and she's telling them <laughs> this story yeah. about the Ascension and they're all, and like, it's really nice for them to remember, you know, that they have this character in their back pocket who's semi-friendly with the group who has thousands of years of demonology behind her. It's the one area in which I sort of realized that in some ways Anya was, I know like they brought her in for a few different reasons, but in some ways she was a replacement Jenny calendar and that she could be another person besides Giles to have know how of history of demons and, and to deliver it in a way that is not, that when you need somebody to deliver it who is not Giles. Right. And in a different like format, right? Like she has the yes. it's firsthand. It's not someone reading out of a book. It's right. uh her weird and she's like more recognizably Anya by now. Like she yeah. she speaks in the rhythms. I mean Emma Caulfield is starting to get it, but also the scripts are starting to understand how this character talks. Right. Um although there's still this weird flutter. What I didn't realize until rewatching today is like they're pretty specific about the fact that she's only been active for a thousand years. Like there's beats that they've decided already and beats that they haven't. Like she says she's trapped in this um, persona, I think she says. Yeah. And it's, it's not clear that like this face was her face. Like she, but there is definitely like a timeline. Like she's only been doing this for a thousand years. So they already seem to have some sense of like, there was a moment. They're still working her out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's more like consistent than I realized actually. Um, yeah, she's not just a demon, and her relationship to, to Hoffren is not entirely right. sketched in yet. Um, but yes, the the Lohesh story is really good, and like the bit of lore we learn, right? Like this, the demons are not a pure. The demons Buffy's fighting. Yeah, I true. love that part that we get about her explaining yeah. how all demons are tainted. I think it's a really interesting part of Buffy lore. And it's so crazy how much that plays into Angel. Like, that's a really big deal in Angel. Right. Um, and it's crazy that, like, a throwaway line like that, that's, like, in the moment just about the villain she's facing right now, is, like, actually, like, universe building. Um, the whole... And it's weird that it's not like Giles and Wesley react as though it's news when yes. in fact it seems quite, it's quite of a piece with the monologue from welcome to the Hellmouth, right? Like it's very, it's very Lovecraft, right? Like this sort of model of like um, the demons are actually just like this ancient, even the the fact that the volcanologist thinks that it's a dinosaur, yeah. like there is something sort of Victorian, like Edwardian Lovecraft about that, that like demons are actually just this forgotten part of history that is sort of, um, been uh lost and subterranean but is still yeah. active um and what's kind of neat about it to me here is that like it also activates that weird almost racialized obsession with purity um here like the mayor makes sense to me um as a character who seeks cleanliness and purity 
And his yeah. desire to be a, a pure demon is sort of this weird manifestation of that. Like, to me, his hatred of germs and his desire to be a demon are kind of the same desire in yeah. a strange way. Um, well, and there's a weird, like, MAGA streak to him, right? Where it's like he yes. wants oh, everything yeah. to be, like, chipper and, and cordial and white picket fences and that kind of thing. And well, it, it's and, interesting yeah. because we are, we see the series through the eyes of Buffy and her friends, and she has come to Sunnydale unknowingly because she has to protect the town from these demons. But we learn throughout season three that the mayor built the town for demons, and that you know, as Faith's famous line is like, "Come graduation day, they're gonna like." they're going to retake the town again. And that is very MAGA. So like from the mayor's perspective, it was like, no, this town was founded for demons by demons and y'all are intruding <laughs> on our land. I think you mean to say that come graduation day, he's getting paid, which is a line that has like stuck with me forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, so they do a thing that I don't, I don't know that I've noticed in other episodes because it's like, everything feels like a really, like, far-reaching in this episode. I mean, we have so many characters coming back. We have Anya coming back to, like, give them this big... It's, like, vaguely plot device but as we said, like, it's good. It works. It's great to see her. She's very her. Um, they do a thing where they, like, when they pan, they do it a real dramatic pan over the library set. Um, when they, like, open on the him going in there with Anya, like, and when they show... Um, all of the stuff being set up for graduation day. Um, mm -hmm. And I really like, I don't know. I, for me it all, it feels very like dramatic. Farewell, I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. the same as, it's the same as bringing back all these characters, right? It's like putting its hands for one last time. I mean, we even see Mr. Miller, my favorite teacher at Sunnydale high, the like yeah. really hot dad. <laughs> Who's only in like, I think three or four episodes. Yeah. He's in the one where um, the ghost is possessing people. He I, like, you yeah. know, don't walk away from me, bitch, right? Like, that's him. Um, and he gets this kind of weird farewell here where he's playing hangman with the kid. I love that scene <laughs> yeah. so much. So good. <laughs> because it's so, it's both, like, it's so evocative of last day of schoolness, where it's just <laughs> sort of, like, those weird things that you did to kill time on the last day of school when, like, even the teachers were really ready to leave. <laughs> right. And also, like, 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 who gives a fuck? yeah. And I just like the fact that it like it's a place where they can talk shop because like everybody's got this senioritis everywhere in the school now is fair game to just sort of have these like conversations. They don't have to huddle in the library anymore. Now they can just do it in the back row of class because right. like there's... the rules are relaxing. Yeah. yeah. Although he still makes them play along. Right. That's like an important thing. Yeah. The episode yeah. Is doing, yeah. Right. Like <laughs> men will keep making you participate in their systems like this goes back to when the right and the mayor busts in to the yeah. library which is such a creepy effective scene i dragging his finger across the desk to check for dust right <laughs> i love uh, that scene and i love i mean i think that actor is really good too uh harry, harry Potter, yeah. yeah um Potter, yeah because he goes from like oh blah 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 well gee gosh i'm gonna eat her like yeah. and it's pretty like and it's then, very effective <laughs> And then right back to it when Giles stabs him, right? Yeah. Like, the children look to you for how to behave. And it's, like, this weird, like, that's how, like, you guys are talking about how the town is, like, for us, by us, for demons. Like, that's how he thrives, right? He thrives on people behaving themselves, people being polite. He gets what he wants when people behave, right? And that's, like, the weird, the episode is so strange because um, it takes us forever to realize what Buffy's plan is. Because it's like, she has to break the rules to make it happen, right? Like, yeah. the problem is that if everybody plays by the rules, he can just eat them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like... Buffy wins by finally, like, uh, Joe was just talking about this MAGA thing that's happening. It was weird to watch this today with, like, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey in my head. Because it's like, these men thrive when nobody speaks up and Buffy finally gets everybody to speak up, finally gets like, says we're going to fight back. And it's only that sort of like mass action that can stop the mayor here in a weird way. <laughs> well, and it's on a couple levels too, right? Because like, she's they're like, they're breaking the rules and that they all stand up at graduation and defy like, you know, uh, the principal and then the mayor, but also like she's breaking the rules of being a slayer in that the whole idea is that you don't tell anybody you're a slayer and you don't tell anybody about like the whole 
you know, three years of high school have been keeping her classmates safely ignorant of everything. And this whole plan only comes together when they like tell everybody everything and they get everybody in on it. And she, you know, and that's all part and parcel of like quitting the watchers council. I know that has to do with angel, Mm -hmm. like still, but the key word lands there too, right? Like um, Wesley says, like, you have to follow orders, orders, yeah. orders, orders keeps being, she's like, I'm done following orders, right? That's Snyder's word at the right. beginning. That was the yeah. first yeah. gif I made of was her saying, I have no time for rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that scene is really um, just like so well done in, in terms of tone as well when she actually quits the council. And I love when she says um, that they're in England, they can't tell which way my back is turning, um, right. yeah. that type of thing. Um, and because it is a large, and, and oh, no, and I actually love when um, Wesley says that this is mutiny and she says, no, it's graduation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the idea, because you don't see that one coming, like, you know, this is going to be about graduation and the ascension. And I remember watching this for the first time and being like, oh my God, like, you know, she's graduated past the council. Like, this is like a bit, and it's, um, You don't see it coming, but then when it happens, you see that I think this has been the seeds of this has been being sown for a long time. That like Buffy would day kind of topple the very thing that gave her that instilled in her this power, put her on this you know destined path or whatever. That she would one day be able to graduate past it. I remember I was so naive at the time too because I remember watching it and I was a freshman in college the year this aired and. I remember even then just being just like she can't she quit quit the Watchers Council like that's like <laughs> what is what is this show without like Buffy like working for the Watchers Council and just like in retrospect it's just, like it's so silly because like the show you know obviously had like you know easy structures for it to go on without the Watchers Council you really found out how little that yeah. actually mattered but it has a weird emperor has no clothes thing yes like yes. as soon as she does it it's like oh yeah they're just like dudes like and, what is it and she says later like in season five where she does a very similar thing checkpoint. She's like, yes yeah, yeah. yeah. she's like you're pretty much just watching masterpiece theater without me <laughs> yeah. like she recognizes that actually she has all the power yeah and that without her they're just like all these men in her life are just bluster, right? Like the mayor is the same thing. Like without obeying that power, he actually is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love that beat. And poor Wesley doesn't, I mean, he gets to well, go do other interesting And I love when Buffy is walking away from him and she says, get a job. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's honestly the shadiest thing because she was it just is. like, your job means nothing to me. Get a better yep. one. Yep. Um, and he did. It's, it's weird watching this back because I do think, I don't know if it's, um, the actor Alexis Denisoff or what, but I realize Wesley is actually written younger than I think he reads on the show. Like, I yes. think he's supposed to be like 22, 24 at most. Um, yeah. I don't think he's supposed to be much older than them. I mean, he looks like he's like around their age. I just give him an ill-fitting suit and ugly glasses. To try to be. <laughs> like, I remember reading him as older though. I remember reading him as being in his thirties. Yeah, me well, too. I think that like, like when that watching it when you're younger, people to me on yes. TV always seemed older. Yes. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Just, they just seem like they are like. I mean, even on Buffy by season seven, you think you're watching a group of like late twenty year olds, but they're like all twenty two. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. But um, oh well, Wesley, all his life experiences are straight out of like he's still talking about preparatory school all the time. Like well, he's clearly just this is like his first job. <laughs> well, I never really seems like before. he he really comes across almost like a grad student who hasn't had any real life experience, but he knows the books on everything. Yeah, hey, he was head boy, so it's you know <laughs> right. don't give him any shit. Um, <laughs> which would make the the Cordelia relationship less creepy like in yeah, there, yeah, the show yes. the show is interested in that question right like in prom where Giles like oh for god's sake you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone like <laughs> just go for it like but i do think that like something about the casting is a little as much as i love him like he's supposed to read younger i think than he plays well yeah, yeah i think he's trying to give like the characters i mean i don't know acting wise but i think the character is supposed to try be trying to pretend like he's older. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, when he tells her to go investigate, I love when she says, I just, like, all of the dialogue in both these parts, I think, is so joss and so perfect. Like, it all feels like, almost like peak Whedon dialogue. She's like, I just love it when you take charge, you man you. And he's like, was that a yes? I have trouble keeping track. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I'll go. And she just, like, walks away. Like, 
I think all of that is really like even like those like that's like a throwaway scene. He's just telling her to go investigate the guy who was murdered by Faith to make sure he was murdered. And like, I don't know. For me, and you, I think it's the acting at the least, the very least. You kind of feel bad for Wesley because he like yeah. is kind of a, like. Doof. Well, he actually grows a lot in this episode. Like he, an important beat that it happens here is like he realizes himself that the Watcher's Council is deeply flawed, right? Like yeah. when they refuse to help Angel, we now know enough about him that he realizes that is also a mistake. Like he is himself disappointed yeah. in in the system that raised him, right? And like it sets him up for his Angel arc where he's like, what is it? The rogue? What is he? A rogue? rogue demon Not a slayer. Hunter. Rogue demon hunter. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean... Which, which, in between the time when this happens and when he pops up on Angel, like, it's not that many months for you to be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a rogue demon hunter now. <laughs> right, I right. Mean, he, honestly, I think his arc on Angel is pretty great, too. Like, his yeah. arc is, I mean, not quite as well. Like, I think Cordelia and Willow have, like, the best arcs, but he's, like, up there, I think, in, like, really good character oh, arcs. I, I think... The fact that he's unrecognizable by the time it's uh, it's done, and yet all of it feels so organic. Yeah. Um, and even with the hiccup in the middle, where he actually is like deprived of his worst memories, because like Angel has that weird thing where he makes that deal with Wolfram and Hart to rewrite so much yeah. of their history, and even like he then has to like re- reconcile that itself. It's like. The fact that he can start where he's... St- I mean, the mayor's speech in this actually is like about how you're not the same at the end as you were at the <laughs> yeah. beginning. Like, no one is that truer for than Wesley, right? Yeah. Well, and also, have like have a pair of contact lenses ever done more for a character <laughs> than they've done for Wesley <laughs> and Price? Because, like, night and day. I don't yeah. know. I mean... Well, I just... I what? looked it up, and um, Alexis Denisov, when this episode aired, was 33. Oh. Oh, um, see, that's a bit too old, I think, for the character. Yeah, so they were casting someone in their early 30s, because um, he's 51 now. Oh, and how old was Allison when... Allison is 43 now, so that means she was 20, um, 25. But I yeah. think, wasn't Charisma Carpenter older? Wouldn't, wasn't she, like, 25 when this would have aired then? I if he know. was, like, 30, I think she would have been 25. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I remember, I think her and Nicholas Brendan were the older ones. Like, I think they were both older than David Boreanaz, I think. No, I think Brendan is younger. I think Hannigan and Charisma Carpenter are the oldest <laughs> okay. of the three. Um, and Charisma Carpenter's 47. Yeah, yeah, and that makes Brendan's forty six. Sarah Michelle is forty. Allison's forty three now. Oh, well, and Eliza Dushku is thirty six. No yep. way. Some of these, some of these numbers have been doctored. <laughs> <laughs> these aren't the numbers that they were when I was a kid. <laughs> That's what my mother says about Cher all the time. She's like, well, no, there's no way I'm suddenly older than her. <laughs> she's not yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so. What else? What did I? What else do I have in my? I have literally my notes for this episode are just like, oh my god, I love this. Like it just has a quote. I love this. Oh my god, uh, yes. Oh my god, I love this. Well, we we have to talk about the poisoning. Yeah. True. Yeah. I think Angel is being kind of a dick when he calls Buffy a brat. Yes. Isn't he? Yes. Like, I'm, are I we supposed to side with him or her? I think the point of that scene is that it's an ugly fight, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. the point is it has to be ugly, and you have to be like, oh, they're both being terrible. Well, you I... also have to be sort of kind of sick of them because you know he's leaving the show. That's, yeah. yeah. You can't, you have to, you have to be left, you have to have enough affection for them as a couple that you care about him pulling through and care about the sort of, like, a- anguish that she's going through. Well, but, they're giving you, sorry, go ahead. But like when he walks away at the end and, you know, onto his own spinoff, you can't be so devastated, right? Like you have to see some sort of like closure there. When yeah. you see, when you say walking into his own spinoff, I imagine him literally walking from the Buffy yeah. set yeah. to the Angel set. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, well, I well think you guys are talking about how make... much this episode captures the, the high school vibe. I, like the end of high school vibe, I think it captures the energy of like a relationship that is over, but you still see each other really well. Like yes. um, even the way he stumbles as he comes in the door and she's, he's, she's like, he's like not my best entrance. Like the, the romance of it is kind of over. Like it's like, yes. Oh, I can't believe you used to be like so moody and mysterious. And now you're like falling into the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're down to earth in a weird way. And like, they got their nice, this season's really nicely structured where the prom gives you a f- beautiful farewell for them and then it lasts two more episodes, right? And it's like, 
Um, yeah, I think the emotional climax of them is the prom, and then this... And you're ready for it to be done. Mm-hmm. You're ready for it to be done, but I think it's... I mean, that whole scene is a yo-yo, right? Where it's like, yes. we're, show, we're showing you, Buffy and Angel, showing them their worst selves. They are being two people who, right. can't, who can't get out of this breakup without wanting to destroy each other. Yeah. Um, and then instantly he's in trouble and Buffy reverts back to like, oh my God, this is the love of my life. Like I would do anything for him, including not plan for the Ascension and right. just like, right. focus on and, him. And, for and risk her own life that could, you know, her life is the only thing really standing between this town and oblivion anyway. And right. that she would risk that for him. Also thoughts and opinions on her say, referring to him as my lover. Oh my God. That's- I, under, I have the word lover underlined okay. three or four times on a notepad right now because I do not think an 18-year-old girl would refer to the person that she yes! slept with once as her lover. <laughs> Thank you. In the um, annals of hating that word in general, this might yeah. be my least favorite use of the word lover in my entire life. I would Ugh, like that to word this, episode, this amazing episode of TV and award for worst use of the word lover. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I mean, every time I hear it, I was about to quote Liz Lemon, like, oh, that word bums me out unless it's between, what does she say, meat lover and pizza? Meat and pizza, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, not great. Uh, I do like, though, that the uh, my other episode I was on was Amends, and Amends uses that Sunnydale sign as, like, a big deal in it. It's like the signal at the end of the sun won't rise, and that's where Faith shoots him from here, which I really like, like the weird oh, yeah. of that. Like, <laughs> uh, events, like, man. Like, you are the the, the events person I've ever met. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a sucker for Christology stuff. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I have my. I was watching the end of uh, this episode, and it's like, oh, the the eclipse happens at three twenty eight. There's like an Antichrist thing happening. Where, like, <laughs> so i think we should talk about the only thing the only thing that falls flat for me in this two-parter which is willow and oz oh okay and i can't i can't decide if it's falling flat for me because i know what happens sure or because it falls a little flat show wise i really can't decipher I think the one thing I think i'm i'm in between on it too i can't tell if i love it or hate it but i think that it does fall into the same thing that we spoke about when um, Xander lost it to Faith in that, like, sometimes the show doesn't know what to do with losing your virginity except treating it as, like, a plot device. <laughs> and, like, and this feels like it's just like, oh, well, they're all graduating. This is, like, the moment where it's going to happen and Willow's freaking out and Oz doesn't know, I guess. It, it, it's actually, to me, selling Oz short because I think Oz knows how to deal with a Willow who is freaking out. Yes. That is Willow's character. Yeah. And it's selling him short and saying the only way that he knows how to calm her down is by taking her virginity. And it's, like, really weird. I always get a little, like, that's never my favorite path to sex is, oh, I'll know, I, I'll, you know, I know what'll shut her up. Like, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. even when it's, like, in this context, which is a little bit more, like, altruistic, like, keep your altruism out of the bedroom too. But like, (laughs) it's interesting that you mention it as like a plot device because it's almost like an anti-plot device, right? Where it's like, it's the one thing in this episode designed to take us out of the plot, to actually like Mm -hmm. give us a reprieve and to give these characters a reprieve. And I think in the context of both like Ascension and also like graduation, I like that there is this moment where it's like actively being like, let's take a time out and just remember that these are also like, teenagers with hormones and like yeah. even still yeah. even in the midst of all of this i feel like right now if i were trying to stop an ascension and someone tried to touch me i'd be like get the fuck away from me. <laughs> what are you doing um, I, I, I mean my friend was like i remember uh one of our guests charles who um helped me move when i was moving out of my apartment he like laid down he was like let's lay down and take a break and i was like no don't touch me i have to finish packing <laughs> like i was mad at someone for trying to get me to lay down while i was packing my apartment i can't imagine yeah. if there was a demon gonna eat my whole town like <laughs> but also then maybe i would want to fuck like maybe i'd be like all right let's do this well i to me i was I always, whenever I'm watching these early episodes, I'm always thinking about, like, even though they're not constructed to be part of Willow's arc about her sexuality, I always try to, like, figure out, well, how is this made a piece of it? And what I noticed this time is both before they have sex 
and after they have sex, she frames both as things she thinks of as what you're supposed to do. Like yeah. when she's yeah. she's worried about the ascension is like there were so many things I was supposed to do. <laughs> and unspoken in that is like she's still a virgin. And then afterwards, she won't shut up. Right. She's like, am I supposed to be talking? Is this supposed to be a quiet moment? So she's like. Even in losing her virginity to Oz, she's as much as she may have affection for him, she's thinking of it as something like a right she, at like graduation. It's a right she's supposed to go through yeah. as yeah. like a thing you're supposed to do. And it's like as much as the episode feels seems like it, the episode is thinking about it, like I, she's supposed to do this. So is she right in this weird way? Yeah. I mean, well, I guess it's like saying like she has to go through it, you know, like that's a thing that she that she has to go through. But it's also just like, I mean, in the end, when you talk about it at that level, it makes it sound like a graduation credit requirement and it's not (laughs) like like an actual act of like experiencing sex with your partner for the first time. I mean, I don't know if this is your you guys' read on this relationship, but to me, I always get a sense that I think is partly the actors are such good friends. They read to me like really close friends. I don't feel an ounce of sizzle between the two of them. Like there's no like, oh, like. Oh, none at all. Right. (laughs) Like it's not like when like Geller and Boreanaz are together. It's like, oh, there's actually something here. It's like, like no one wants to watch the Oz Willow sex scene. Right. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to like for the next episode, whereas like. The scene where Buffy, where Angel bites Buffy is, like, one of the most intensely sexual scenes the show has ever yes. filmed, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I even think you saw that in the in the middle of this season, where, like, they got way more mileage than I expected they would, or probably sh- maybe even should have, out of Willow and Xander's chemistry yes. together. Because, like, yeah. I was, I remember at the time being like taken aback by how hot that was where yeah. I was just like, and I shouldn't, I don't want them together. Everything about this is like, yeah. you know, it's going to hurt Cordelia. Like I was very concerned, <laughs> but like, but like their chemistry was great and their vampire chemistry too. Like there's, you know, yes, I agree with and, you. And one of saying. the most affecting scenes in this season to me is the scene where she realizes Xander and Faith had sex. Yes. And then we see her crying in the bathroom stall. Like, as much as I, I really like Oz, I really like Willow, but their relationship is comfy, right? In a way that... Yeah, the, and sort the, of childlike. And it's it, yes. it's it makes both of them seem younger when they're together. Like, their actual moments together feel like a junior high couple. Yeah. 110%, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... so oh, oh, Can ahead. I ask, because we have the closer here, I want to ask about <laughs> the scene that I never really noticed seems to be a check-in with the end of season two, which is the scene where Joyce, um, Buffy's packing up for Joyce. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. And it's like very clearly thinking about the end of season two where she's like, you're running away again. And, uh, the Buffy Buffy's note is again, this weird slayer as coming out coding where she's like, I know I'm not the kid you wanted me to be. I know I'm not, the child you expected to have like how do you guys read this scene (laughs) well it is a very because i mean at the end of season two she said like i wish i could be upstairs in my room you know gossiping about boys or even studying and it's a it feels to me it feels like a beat that you have to hit like there has to be a moment with joyce yeah well they also have to get her out of town like that's the other thing is it serves a very sort of like tidy housekeeping function so at the end of the at the end of the day she didn't really need to leave town because the mayor didn't go farther but 10 feet from where he started (laughs) yeah (laughs) right although but you couldn't have graduation without being like well joyce would be there that's right do you know what i mean so they had to get her out of that or else they would have had to like incorporate her in the fight so i always feel like i I would have loved if they incorporated joyce in the fight first of all that's all I and I remember watching this with my mother and my mom saying, I'd be so mad at you if you told me to leave. I would stay just to spite you. And I'm like, God, <laughs> my mother really would do that. And <laughs> like, I would have really loved because so I know that like realistically it made sense that Buffy wants her mother to leave. She doesn't want her mother in danger. Yeah. But like, this is a bunch of 17 slash 18 year olds fighting for their lives. What might as well have Joyce there as well. And, right. like, Buffy's best friends, who are just human as well. You know, Willow, at this point, she can do magic, but she's not as as powerful as she'll get. Yeah. And, like, I, it feels like 
Joyce and Giles should have been like putting the bombs together or something like. Well, I guess a part of that is, I mean, not to talk too much about the next episode, but there is a shot I never noticed before where we actually see all the parents. Parents, Yes. Like we see them clear out and the kids are left to do the defending. And I think that um, as like part of the graduation arc, it's important that we have this beat where we see Buffy, even though she is, like, what, 18? Like, yeah. we do see the adult Buffy, where it's, like, part of her job is to keep Joyce safe. Yeah. Um, so it does feel like a button, like, look at how far she's come in a year. Yeah. But also, like, we need a curtain call for Joyce, and we need it to be a moment where Joyce is definitely recognizing her daughter as, like, a person making adult decisions, not a teen running away. Right. Like, it's she's making a call on behalf of her mother here. No, sorry. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I just like I do think that's also why it seems to matter to me that Giles also is kind of minimized. Like it's not his plan to blow up the library. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I think I mean, this is in my notes for the next episode as well. Like, I think all of this shows why Buffy is such great YA. And I think why we actually have gotten a lot of YA authors like that are totally into Buffy that want to be on the yeah. podcast. Like all of them have been like, yeah, like this, like helped me want to write YA and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that's, what's so important. And it is, you're right. It is important to the story that it's Buffy and the students fighting, not yeah. the adults. Right. Um, right. Well, there's also a larger kind of thing with it. And I've said this before that Buffy goes back and forth between the tones of its seasons. And when she sends Joyce off, it actually feels like she's sending her off for all of season four, too, because Joyce is yeah. really not <laughs> right. there. Um, and so, and also, you know, Giles is hardly, not that Giles isn't in season four, but he factors in a lot less because so much of the action yeah. takes place on campus. And then you have five, which is all about return to family and Dawn there and everything. And then six is once again, like, what happens when they when the kids are here and there's no adults anymore? Yeah. And they, they like, keep going back and forth between like what they do with the adults and how much they let the, um, the main characters do. And season three, I think is actually like portending to season four, like, Oh, there's going to, some shit's going to go down. Joyce isn't going to be around really. And, yeah. So uh, my question is, do we think Buffy packed Dawn's bag too? Or did she make her pack her own suitcase? Do we think Dawn would have willingly gone or put up a fight? Oh, I'm sure she put up a whole fucking stink about that. Oh my god, like, yeah, no. There would have had to be a whole sub, there would have been like a web series episode that you can watch later online about Buffy telling Dawn that she has to go. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the fight, which is I guess the next beat, um, yeah. we get our last Cordelia scene of this episode before she comes into the fold on the plan in part two. And I think it's such a good, like I said, the opening is a really good Xander Cordelia moment where when Xander's talking to Anya and she's like, the only, the only thing a sane person can do now is run and leaves. And Cordelia walks up and goes, what's her saga? And Xander's like, she's freaking. <laughs> Cordelia says about what? And he's like, the mayor's going to kill us all during graduation. And Cordelia says, oh, are you going to fifth period? And she says, <laughs> I'm thinking I might skip it. And she goes, me too. Like, I think, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like they do such a good job of like wrapping up Cordelia of like, look, look how cool she is with Xander. Like they're discussing yeah. the like impending doom that is graduation. She's like, oh, okay, well, do you want to skip fifth period? Like whatever. And you know, and then in the second part, she does come in and she like gets mad that they haven't told her. Like, she's like, right. just tell me what's going on. Um, it's a weird passing of the baton too, right? Yeah. Like Anya, Anya yeah. will now be the Cordelia. So there's like a weird, tra- they're passing each other in a weird way there. <laughs> um, as much as Cordelia, weirdly, Cordelia is the reason Anya's on the show at all, right? Like, yeah. right, it's a wish, but, <laughs> right. but like now Anya, that scene is so key for how far Anya moves um, yes. as a character, right? Like her immediate response is to run and she like, can't even coordinate in her mind. Xander has a very quiet arc in this episode, which is about his weird military references I don't really get. Um, but like, <laughs> like he opens with all these military references and it ends with him being like, I have friends on the line. And that's like, that's, that's his like arc in this episode. And it's the beat that Anya doesn't understand. Like mor- mortality to her right now is just fight or flight, right? She's got to yeah. get out of there. Well, we see the beginnings of like, basically what's going to be Anya's entire character arc, which is becoming human because she doesn't get about one caring about other people the way that 
Xander cares about his friends. And then also she tries to describe what it is to be falling for someone for the first time. And she talks about those mushy feelings for Xander. And you see her trying to actually articulate like humanity and personhood for something that she hasn't been for like a thousand years, you know? Yeah. Um, It's also interesting, Anthony, that you bring that up, but like to mirror this episode with the end of season six, where this in this episode, Xander asserts his usefulness by remembering his like brief Halloween stint as a soldier (laughs) Uh and and sort of like his contribution is to become more macho than he is. And in season six, that his contribution is like then by then they had defined him as the heart. And yeah. I think they had stopped defining him as the boy. Um, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? In that way, we're like, he's the boy of this group. He's going to do boy things. Boy does fight things. Boy does army, like plays army man. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that like the show moved at one, at some point to no, that's not his function. He's not the boy in the group. He's the heart in the group. Right. Well, it's doing this weird thing with his masculinity throughout. I, I just remembered what, like, remember his freak out at the beginning with Cordelia is the fact that he doesn't think he's going to survive, right? Yeah. And he uses all these military metaphors where he's like, I'm shipping out, like, I'm last rotation. Yeah. And then I'm shipping stateside. Like, he's thinking, yeah. in, like, about movies that it, really a teen in the 90s wouldn't watch. He's, like, thinking about the movies a teen in the 70s He's would watch. He's like, to eternity about it all, yeah. 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 Um, but re-watching this scene now, I realized, oh, Anya's arc could only end with her dying, really. Yeah. Right, like, yes. I was talking about this with someone the other day. Because it's the most mortal thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I hate it. It hurts, it hurts my heart, of and course, I love her. Of course. But yeah. it really does make sense that her arc ends with her dying. Like, it just really does. Yeah. It's notice that it's like there's something really obvious and tragic about how Anya is always hurtling towards her death in a way I've never really noticed until this rewatch. Um, she's like learning how to die every episode. And in a weird way, she here is like a flip of Wilkins, right? Where it's like he's a human who wants to become this immortal being. She's like an immortal who's learning how to be human. And they've like yeah. passed each other in this weird way. Um this is the first time I've noticed Wilkins. I mean, I guess we're going to talk about it in the next episode. But he's wearing a wedding ring when he's when he's trying to choke Buffy. Like he, sure he still is. thinks, yeah, he's still that when he talks about Edna May, his wife, she's yeah. still on his mind in this weird, yeah. sad way. So, yeah. um, I wanted. <laughs> so, also, I really, I know you tweeted this already, Anthony, but I wanted to. I really. <laughs> I, so I. I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but Anya being like, fine, I hate you. I hope you die. Are we going to kiss? Because that's so, she's like, I, for me, that means like, oh, she watched a few romantic comedies in her time yeah. as like being stuck as a human. And she's like, that's what I see on TV. Like, well, I can imagine Anya like being like, how do I be a teenage girl? Let me go to Blockbuster and just start a lot of movies with yeah. teenage girls in them. Well, that yeah. actress on 90210 looks like me. Ha. <laughs> huh. uh, maybe um, she like, she was renting the same movies as the guy who was renting all the prom movies to train the hellhound. Like they were like, <laughs> well, it was 99. She would have been able to rent never been kissed by then. Right. So I think that's what she was renting. Nice. Um, I feel I was in a quota earlier. I feel like it's like Anya's arc is the Gwen Stefani lyric, the poet laureate Gwen Stefani born to blossom, bloom to perish. Like that's like, She's like, oh, I'm learning how to be a human. Oh, death is the worst. Feelings are the worst. I love humans. Oh, now I'm dead. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the- obviously, we have to get to this fight. Yes. And before we do, I mean, um, I mean, I watched it in real time too. But I want to know, like, Joe, as someone who's like, when when you what, what what do you remember about watching this fight for the first time and like knowing that it was coming and then seeing it happen? I mean. You you did like you knew it was coming, and they also like really. Uh, I can't remember whether they put this in the promos or not, but um, oh, they did. They oh, did. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Okay. They must have right, and it yeah. was. You, uh, I was conflicted, of course, because like, a you want Buffy to win, and you know that like she's Buffy, so like it would be surprising if ultimately she doesn't. Um, <laughs> but. I just, I loved Faith so much. And I kept being like, well, she maybe has a point here. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
but watching the actual the actual fight, the actual fight choreography, and also the the score for that scene, yes, mm-hmm. yes. is Epic. so fucking good. <laughs> and and the I don't think the red leather pants. That's all I remember is the like, way yes. they're dressed to complement <laughs> each other. Yeah, is also like everything about the scene. Everyone who worked on that scene, from the costumes to the writing, they, it was all in such a synergy that. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see it again in our mortal lives. (laughs) I usually black out during fight scenes. Like, I just don't care about them. But I remember this fight scene um, and the glory fight scene from the end of season five are, like, the biggest. And obviously the end of season two where she's fight the sword fight with Angel. Those are the three, really the only fights I remember from this show. Well, because there are moments in any episode. Like, you can remember episodes where it's like, okay, Buffy just has to kill everyone. Like, the Balthazar episode. Like, (laughs) okay, she just has to fight a bunch of people. Like, let me just, like, go get a Pop-Tart. But, (laughs) like, the the fight between Buffy... The fight between Buffy and Faith is an actual storyline, and there's an emotional arc to it. And even, um, you know, as Ian always says, like, the the way that Buffy, on the show, like, fighting is a form of sex, and in a lot of ways, fighting is its own dance, a form of sex. And, like, right before yeah. they fight, she says, like, Faith says to Buffy, give us, give a, us kiss. a kiss. Ah! And, like, it's them finally, I think, like, being able to express, like, how much emotion they have for each other through fist fighting. So have I told you the story about the message board that I was on that got me into Buffy fandom? Yes. Then that I was- heard it. Okay, so what got me into Buffy fandom, and I was always, like, I only uh, ever got so much into it. I really hope the reveal is that it's the message board that Anthony ran, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, which would be amazing. Um, No, it was uh, was a section of a greater message board that was a Tori Amos message board. Like, that's how I found it. Oh, (laughs) wow. It had a section where you could talk about, like, TV shows, and there was a Buffy thread where, like, the small little handful of us that uh, we're into Buffy, we're in the Buffy thread, and the Buffy thread was dominated by these two lesbians, or like this lesbian, this bisexual, who were like, and I started this in, in this was already, we were into like season four, or maybe already into five. It was after Bring It On, I know that, because uh-huh. the conversation was obsessed with the sexual subtext between Buffy and Faith, and like general like lesbian subtexts for fa- for Eliza Dushku in like all of her roles. <laughs> um but so but the subtext in this scene is like so it's palpable and like even like the give us a kiss moment is like the big one and I remember like that's what reminded me of the message board because like there were like gifs and and photos and like everything from that moment and also of wow, the that's cutting edge technology in 1999 I know it is <laughs> gifs were very rudimentary well, I don't know how you would make a gif back then oh well see I feel like gifs were a thing that were like like this new thing is like the comeback like gifs had to make a comeback at some point anyway that's yeah like, like I'm getting far afield what um but like every little I remember every little motion in that scene. Every little thing yeah. were like the handcuffs. The handcuffs <laughs> where Buffy tilts the the knife to like it make it yes. gleam in the light so that Faith can see it. And mm-hmm. then when Faith is like, that's mine, and the quiver in Buffy's voice when she says you're about to get it back. Right. Like Every- ends in a penetration, right? Like it's right. right. Every <laughs> single thing is like a sexual, not even under, it's an overtone. It's all overtone, right? I don't only- I don't know how it wasn't written that way on purpose. Like, I know that Joss has said numerous times that's not, but, like, it feels like it is. Like, it feels like, how else are you writing this scene? At the very least, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Eliza Dishku, like, were playing it. Like, right? Like, there was, <laughs> yeah. like, there was intention somewhere. The and, the and the fight choreography itself, the only thing that rivals it to me in terms of a fight scene is not even on the show. It's the... Uh, Sydney Bristow Francie fight from the end of Alias Aww. season two. Yeah. Which is like it's the only other thing that rivals this in terms of just like a actual fight scene. Cause I'm sort of like you guys too. It was just like I'm not like fight scene, whatever. Like mm-hmm. But this know. is like an emotional fight scene, which is an insane uh, thing to think about, but it is. Yeah. Well, and that look of triumph, that sort of sick, twisted look of triumph on Faith's face when she knows that she's about to fall away and essentially ruin do- yeah. And, Can, okay, like, I, I have so many things to say about that moment. Yeah, just like the because, look of face is so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, literally, if if anyone tries to tell me Eliza Dushku is a bad actress, I will point to that look on her face <laughs> and be like, no, this is She's my counterpoint. Because, one character 
felt like she does the shit out of this character. Yeah, because here's the thing. The the line too that she says where she says you did it B you you killed me uh, so good she's so proud of Buffy because she I think is in her head being like I finally got Buffy to kill a human being and yes. like I knew she could become this person all it's the right. time okay this is the gayest thing I'm gonna do in this podcast but I'm gonna tie in Angels in America right now it's very <laughs> I finally got I finally got Ethel Rosenberg to sing and then <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> and like that's what it is. It's like she finally got Buffy to step over the line, and now I'm gonna fall back and die. Except she also it's the double the doubleness to it because like I can see this truck coming. So like it's yeah. almost like I almost want to picture her like shooting the double bird to her as she like falls <laughs> right, on her. Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> well, I don't I have the alias reference, but to me, uh, the scene I just rewatched, but I always thought of it. Like there's this weird way where Buffy is like pulping a lot of other things. Like the end of season four is clearly like thinking a lot about the matrix, right? With the like stopped bullets and stuff. Yeah. Um, this fight to me, recall, especially the ending with the fall into the truck recalls Batman returns i was yes where, that's what i have written down exactly. oh, okay. <laughs> where she falls back into the truck right and yeah. it's also like this weird consummation that's happening this weird like denial of that consummation um but also because this- faith is catwoman faith yeah 100 catwoman well eliza dushku has played catwoman actually she voiced her, voiced in her some right yeah yeah and that and that fall back because I actually think that really what Faith likes to do is to have Buffy chase her. Yes. And in the final act that she does is I'm gonna fall onto a moving vehicle. And I actually think she wants Buffy to chase her. And we know that Buffy can run from building to building and land on a bus. Right. We know this to be factually true. So I'm always mad at the end of season three that she doesn't run from building to building. Right. Yeah. Like after all like, that effort, like why does it? And then get on top of the truck and be like, "No, bitch, you're coming with me." Throw her <laughs> over her shoulder and bring her to angels. Like, yeah. Yeah. this is also by far the highest building we've ever seen in Sunnydale. I think before <laughs> or since, right? Like, <laughs> probably. Yeah, like yeah. Faith literally is like living undercover, but in a penthouse apartment in the highest building in Sunnydale. <laughs> yeah, very covert. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, that actually is literally in my notes, Matthew, that, but why, it's weird that Buffy didn't immediately just jump off that roof and onto that truck and throw Faith on her shoulder. Like, this plan was bad from the beginning. Like, what is her plan? To kill Faith and then drag the body all across town <laughs> to get to Angel? Like, like when she handcuffs her, it's like, really? Like, are you going to take a cab? Like, what? Yeah. Like, like, oh, sorry, my friend is a little drunk. That's why she's like, <laughs> that's why she's like this. I'm just bringing her to my friend's mansion in the woods. Can you drop right, off? because, and especially if, like, the solution is, oh, have Angel feed and he just stops before you die? Why didn't they just do that from the beginning? Right. Yeah, there is a little bit of, as much as we were talking about how well-structured these episodes are, like, this whole blood thing is, like, the stakes for the end of episode one and quickly wrapped up at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very quickly, yeah. And suddenly everyone's fine, right? I always, I always well, think that it would make, it seems like it would make more sense if it was wrapped up at the end of that first episode, but also I think that's such a good end of Faith just jumping onto that truck and the music yeah. and the close-up on Buffy's face where she's like, fuck, like, I, yeah. I think that that works so well as a be-continued. And we don't really get a to-be-continued again, do we, guys? Like, I, in the show yeah, ever? Yeah, I don't think, like, where it says that. Um, we get one... Don't we... Didn't... Uh, hmm, maybe I don't think we do. I yeah, was gonna say, was there one between Bargainings Part 1 and 2 originally? But I don't know. No, because that aired as a two-hour... Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, season four before the finale has, like, it's very continuous, but I don't think it was... Yeah. Like, this is very dramatic TV, but it works. Yeah. It, like, totally works. Like, I'm buying everything they're selling. Like, yeah. I can now tell you, oh, well, it seems weird that Buffy doesn't jump off and follow them, but, like, when I'm watching it, I'm, like, into it. Of course. I'm buying it. You're into the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying well, to think I think that's I... it. That's all we have to talk about for part one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm glad we're doing this as two parts because this is already long. Because <laughs> there's a lot to discuss. But um, so make sure to listen next week when we discuss part two with these two wonderful gentlemen. What if uh, we came back two months later, like we did? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! And we didn't tell anyone when and the next it, episode yeah. would be. Exactly. <laughs> just dropped it one day. See how you like it. Yeah, exactly. I would maybe definitely you, forget. 
Maybe Buffy just was secretly um, pulling a Beyonce before that was pulling a Beyonce. And they were like, you know what? We're not going to tell you when we're buffing this. We're just going to do it. Anti-Streisand effect. Well, right. so how do we all grade this episode from an A to F by itself? And then in part two, we'll grade them as a whole. Uh, I also, I, this is like, like you said, this is Whedon that is strong. Like, this is literally the peak, like... Um, it doesn't get better. This is like A plus for me. Like this is what these are the stories he's always telling, but this is the best version of that story, I think. Joe, I would say if A plus is is in play, I'm going to give it an A just because I want to give part two like it's leave, like leaving room for milk in your Starbucks. <laughs> That's sort of what I want to do for part two. So it, it's an A. For all the reasons that Anthony, uh, like Anthony sold me on his, <laughs> Anthony sold me on his grade, and then Joe sold me on his grade. Matthew, sell me on yours. <laughs> Joe, I just want to say that I feel like "Room for Milk" is a great memoir title. <laughs> oh, that is good. Although it's kind of sexual. Um, <laughs> Are you saying I'm not sexual, Anthony? Because <laughs> wow, um, I actually just like if I can come back to what Joe just said. Um, to me, part one has all the energy. And there is something really elegiac about part two. Like, we can talk about that in slash a minute, slash a week, depending on... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to me, there's a weird way that the math is done at the end of this episode. And part two, like, for the mayor, for a lot of these characters, like, for Angel, Angel's leaving no matter what, like, part of the fun of the second half is that, like, the math is kind of done. Um, Well, I would agree with that, because I actually think that if you... I mean... The thing when I watch season three, I think that the Buffy Faith fight is what you want to happen, and um, most of the times with uh, Joss Whedon two parters, it's the first one is like let's set up all the puzzle pieces, and then part two is all the action. This one is more of a Kill Bill Volume One, Volume Two situation. Yeah, it's a good comparison. Um, and because I mean, yeah, the final fight between them is the final fight between her and Lucy Liu, <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, so I, but I actually will say that I think, yeah, I, I, so I'll give it an A. I'll just give it an A. I think, uh, I, God, I'm so torn because I feel like you guys are making good points and I feel like, yes, I do want to leave room for milk, but like also I'm like the opposite of everything in moderation. I'm like all the things all the time. So mm. I think I am going to go with A plus and I mean, that's going to be my grade all around, but I think all <laughs> of this is so peak weed and, and like, I can remember, so the first time I saw this finale was when I watched it, when I got the VHS sets, that it just had, like, it was yep. three VHSs with, like, I think two episodes each on them oh, or yeah. something. And Earshot I remember, was among them, yes, I remember. Right? because I yeah. remember being, like, I think it was either at the end of season four or the beginning of season five when I got them all at Suncoast Video. Um, ah. And I remember watching that, sitting on the floor in my room, and I remember I, like, it was, like, before bed, I put it on, and I was, like, sitting on the floor of my room, I think, like, organizing my comic books. Time is a flat circle, because that's what I was doing today. Um, <laughs> and I remember the first time, like, watching them fight, like, clapping my hands and being, like, because <gasps> it was such a big deal. Yeah. Um, can which... I can I tell you a story at the beginning of the next part about those very, the, like, those box sets? <laughs> Yes. I have yes, a really do. amazing story, but I'm going to save it till next week slash in five minutes after I pee. Great, everyone. Uh, <laughs> and you can tune in next week to hear that episode. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, you can follow him at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. If you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at IanXCarlos, and make sure to subscribe to our podcast and give it a review on iTunes. Yay, give us a nice review. We would like that. Anthony, Don't give us a bad review. I will find you, <laughs> and I will eat you. <laughs> Anthony, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Mia Koopa, M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A. And Joseph? You can find me at Joe Reed. That's J-O-E-R-E-I-D. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and tune in next week for part two. Bye. Bye. Bye.